Good afternoon. Hi. Welcome. I'm Randy Knutson. I'm the founder of Glass Tire. And we're so glad you're here. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. Uh, for those of you who don't know, Glass Tire is a magazine about visual art in Texas, and we are only to be found on the internet. And we are 15 years old this year. Yes? It's our 15th anniversary, and we have been going through our archive for a project for the anniversary, and we realized that we have over 17,000 events listings in our archive, and upwards of 10,000 articles and uh, news items. So we've been at this a long time, and we've accumulated a lot of content over the years. Um, uh, let's see. We're here, and I want to quickly say that people always ask me about the name, Glass Tire. Where does the name come from? And I love telling this story. Glass Tire started with me driving around Texas by myself, looking at art in the various cities uh, in 2000, and having this dream of connecting these cities to each other and to the larger Texas art scene on the internet, and dreaming of people coming to the internet, uh, coming to the site, and finding great writers, and building this um, conversation about the artists in Texas. And so I was driving around and I had seen this Robert Rauschenberg glass tire at a show at the Menil in 1998. And I always loved that piece. I love it was beautiful. And just thinking about um, moving with great speed at great distances uh, with great clarity really summed up what we were trying to do. And today, uh, glass tire is not just my dream, it's a dream of many people. Uh, and I'd love to quickly introduce our staff. Christina Reese is our Dallas editor. She's over there by the wall. <laughs> Christina's in town. Please feel free to say hello. You may recognize her from some of the videos we do. Uh, there's a young artist, Ariana Roche. Ariana may still be out in the lobby. She's out in the lobby. Uh, Ariana joined us a couple of years ago and she's become the backbone of Glass Tire and none of this would be here without her. And then finally, Brandon Zeck, is he out there too? Yeah, Brandon Zeck, very young artist, just graduated from University of Houston last year. Summa cum laude, graduated in three years. We hire artists, a lot of our writers are artists. We believe in the writers and the, or the artists of Texas. We pay our artists. And um, Glass Tire exists to be a platform for artists, for them to see other artists' work and to write about it and to comment about it. And uh, it's a, we're here to give a voice to artists in Texas. And so we look to the future. And what we're doing right now is looking five years ahead and what's going to happen with art and technology in the world and where, what do we need to do to uh, position ourselves to continue to expand that conversation about Texas visual art. And today, uh, we had an idea a couple of years ago to not do fundraisers that were big galas and parties and instead spend some time with artists. And so events like today do not happen uh, without a lot of help. And so I would just like to quickly thank our sponsors, Texas Commission on the Arts, our state funding agency, copy.com, and of course, uh, Deep Eddie Vodka, <laughs> not Deep Ellum, Deep Eddie Vodka. I hope you all enjoyed a drink out there courtesy of them. Uh, I want to thank a few individuals, Francie Neely, uh, Susie and Sanford Kreiner, uh, Marita and J.B. Fairbanks, Sissy and Denny Kempner. Thank you all for all of your support. We would not be here without you guys. So thank you all very, very much. Yes. 
And thanks to our volunteers. And lastly, I want to thank our awesome board of directors, led by the intrepid Scott Hill, who's in here somewhere, our president. Yes, Scott, thank you for all of your good cheer and generosity of spirit and humor. Uh, sometimes it can be hard to be a board member of an uh, arts journalism organization. And I thank all of them for their support and their belief in the vision of what we're doing. So, uh, in 2006, my husband and I were in New York, and we happened to be there visiting friends, and the Whitney Biennial happened to be up. And we went over, and we saw it, and we left, feeling uh, not completely encouraged about the state of visual art in America, if that was what it was. And we crossed over the river, and we went to the Brooklyn Museum of Art, and there was a retrospective of William Wegman's work on view. And I remember walking into those galleries and seeing particularly his drawings lined up on the wall, uh, but also the videos and the paintings. And it was like a feeling of palpable relief that we, we were in good hands in this show. And for me, it was a real discovery. I had not seen much of his work before outside of his dog photographs. And it was just wonderful. And ever since then, I've been a huge, huge fan of William Wegman. So I was so thrilled when he agreed to come here and speak to us today. And so with that, I'm going to hand it over to the great William Wegman. Please go ahead. I must be getting old because I'm not, now I'm great. Uh, and. Uh, Oh, anyway, it's true, I am getting old. And speaking of technology, I was, uh, you did mention that word before, I was one of the first people to make videotapes um, not at a, at a TV station, but in my own studio. And uh, the first machine that I used, I encountered at uh, University of Wisconsin, where I was, for some reason, a visiting artist, even though I was only 23. They didn't know what else to call me and didn't want to hire me full time. So, uh, so I remember there was a, a painter there who had lacquer poisoning and he wasn't able to paint anymore because everything was toxic to him and he was making these really dreadful videos of dancers with a multiple camera system. And so I borrowed one of his and spared the world some, of, some more of his work. And, uh, <laughs> and, uh, Immediately, I had an amazing uh, uh, experience. I, I, I remember thinking that when my mother brought me in seventh grade to buy my first suit, seeing the side of my head, my butt, you know, in a three-way mirror, and it was like, so I started looking at myself, first of all. And I think, the, as, as you remember from video art from the 70s, there is a very narcissistic strain to it. And I was not immune, but, uh, what separated me from every other video artist from that period was that I was very good. Uh, and no one else was, was very good. They, and, now I'm, and now they're great. So I wanted to start out showing you some of these really great videos that I first, first made. And I'm even happy to still see them for some reason. That's how good they are. And you know what's sad is I can't do them anymore. It was just a period that, that it happened and then it wasn't able to anymore. So I think you'll be able to see these. Oh, Mom? Mom? I think Randy's going to be sick. 
you've got uh, P-A-R-K was spelled correctly. And that was good. Wait a minute. And you spelled uh, O-U-T right. But when it came to beach, you spelt it B-E-E-C-H, which is like the, uh, well, there's a gum called beach nut gum. But the correct spelling is, we meant beach like the sand. I don't know why it stopped. It's not supposed to stop. But anyway, there's more things. Of all, of all the deodorants, this is the one that I enjoy using most. It feels real nice going on, and it smells good, and keeps me dry all day. I don't have to worry about it cutting out in clutch moments. All of the other ones are just, I don't know, they just never seem to hold up under pressure for me. I can put this on once during the day, and for the rest of the day, I'm, I'm fine. I'm all set up. I don't have to worry about, you know, social nervousness or anything. It's just, it keeps me feeling good and fresh, and I love the smell. I, I don't think there's any deodorant that comes close to this one. You. Well, I don't know why there's all of these, but we don't need to see any more of that. You want to see more? Okay. It was supposed to be selections. I don't know, something got screwed up. Anyway, here we go. This is much later, like 20 years later. Ordinary deck of cards. Nothing unusual about them. Now, what I'd like you to do is pick a card. Any card. Memorize it. Don't tell me what it is. I can't see that card. Okay. I'm going to shuffle the deck. Hey, John. How you doing? Glad you can make it. Don't tell. Don't tell how we do. This. All right. Now. Okay. Count out twenty-four cards. One, two, three, four, five. Okay. Twenty-four. Right. I don't know why it's shutting out but the punchlines are gone from all these videos. Yeah, I thought we checked this. I should have checked it. I'm sorry. <sighs> anyway, you can buy the reel and see what happens. In, uh, it's, it's for sale up there. And it goes for a good cause, me. Uh, yeah, really weird. It just chopped off the punchline of all of those videos, but they're still interesting, right? Yeah, thank you. The, the uh, yeah. So this is the first photograph I made that I liked in 1970, and it gave me the courage to not make installation pieces. I spared the, uh, the art world that, uh, and concentrated just on photography, always eight by 10, no bigger, uh, because I wanted to have it look good in magazines uh, and other places. I mean, I'm not unhappy that it looks good in the screen too, but the strength of the work, I thought, was that it could be reproduced and I could reach an audience other than 
my, my uh, classmates and friends in Wisconsin. So this was called uh, Kato, and uh, I, I think of it as kind of my eureka moment in, in, uh, in art. And then, of course, I got a dog, which most of you know about. But, um, you know, I used him as a dog, first of all, not as a human. And, and here he's, he's uh, drinking two puddles of milk, and uh, you can see how I'm using him. And, and then there's other things without the dog that, that uh, intrigued me. This is something that can happen in photography and not elsewhere. So it's, it's, uh, it's like performance, but it isn't. Um, these are works from the early 70s. And then a kind of a shift happened. And um, this work is uh, a little less minimal looking, a little friendlier. Uh, a little more tenuous, I suppose. This is called home entertainment. It's taking things just slightly out of context. And then, one of my students, I was teaching at Cal State Long Beach, uh, was married to a twin. And the girl on the left is Lynn, and the girl on, her, on the right is Terry. So I made a little mark of Terry's marks little dots, uh, skin blemishes on Terry. So this is, and this is me with Lynn's husband, Tim, who looked like a big version of me. So I found some big tools for him. So, uh, so this is how I would work. I would, I would take uh, really slight things and, and try to make um, pictures out of them. And, uh, and so I did. I got interested in text at some point. This is from 1972. This is called One or Two Spoons, Two or Three Forks. And I, you, know, you get why I call it that. Why you bother to look at it is another story. But <laughs> I, I never concerned myself with that. Three mistakes. And you know, milk shows up really well. Why milk? It looks good on, in black and white, right? Indeed, you agree. I remember, here's something, here's something I can't do, and I'm even glad I can't do it, but uh, I, I, like, I like doing it and thinking about the, the consequence of that. So reading two books, it's called. But I'm going to go back to this thing. I was uh, another visiting artist in, in 1968 or 9 was uh, Richard Arschwager. Uh, in Wisconsin, we were both looking at a um, piece of toast on the on the linoleum floor, and it looked like art. It looked like his art. So that's kind of the context of the late 60s, early 70s, what things looked like. Everything looked like art then. Then I started to make these drawings because I wanted to reach uh, an audience, but I also didn't want to have to set things up. I wasn't that skilled with equipment. I liked working with uh, typing paper and a number 2B pencil, the most common art supplies. So this is called Big Little Finger. Again, kind of working with language and, and images. This is called Box 4. So, I don't know. <laughs> right? They're not, my first art dealer said, some of your work is funny and some of it is not so funny. And she said that with a Hungarian accent. That was Ileana Sonneben. It was kind of threatening. So not so funny. Blue, yellow, green, landscape color chart. 
I really thought I had a really good line, but I didn't want it to be about that really good line. So I wanted it to be as plain and simple as possible, where you wouldn't go, God, he's got a really good line. You just would uh, see it. X-ray of a peach in a dish. So, certainly. Doe buck. This is a little cleverer, more clever, I suppose. You know, if people that like my drawings tend to be really intelligent, I find. <laughs> right, Frederica? Rainy? Uh, distorted vase. <laughs> Neighbor's ball bounces over a house instead of through window. Sort of the, the uh, happiness of Lucite, I guess, is the, is the message there. School in 1950. I was there. <laughs> and a, a later drawing from the 80s. Sorry, oh my god, really bad, oh no. And, uh, you know, this is... Uh, this is by the mid-70s, I started to, to I got a, a Guggenheim and uh, bought a Hasselblad and started to take really bad pictures, terrible pictures. But instead of throwing away the bad pictures, I started to draw on them. So these are what I call altered photographs from, from the mid-70s. And this is the one good one, I think. It's a, like a closed circuit situation. You can, oh, I'm gonna take advantage of someone that said that there was a, something that made a, a dot, a dot, there it is. See this guy here? I painted him in there to make it, that's, that's the, thank you for giving me this dot. <laughs> and this is the first color photograph I made and it's literally color, it's Man Ray, my dog Man Ray, the first Polaroid 2024, thank you, uh, he thanks you. And it's a literal use of color. It's Revlon red. And so it seemed okay I could, I could uh, introduce color into my work if it was literal and not subjective. But I got over it pretty fast. And, <laughs> and, uh, these pictures make me, you know, I've, it was the first time I had dressed up a dog like this. I was a little embarrassed about it, but I, I just got over it because we were both quite happy doing this kind of thing. And this is the last picture of Man Ray that I, that I, can, that I think of. And it's like his uh, Jimmy Durante moment, moment, you know, in the spotlight, going off with a few words. And he's in the spotlight. And uh, it, it's really dear, this picture, to me. And my next dog, um, Faye, Faye Ray, was a much more thorough, thoroughbred than Man Ray was. And you can see how powerful her body was. And I'm sort of reveling, in a way. In, in her physique rather than her character somewhat. She had these beautiful yellow eyes, and I started to exploit that too. She, like Man Ray, really liked to work, but she, Man Ray worked from the age of six weeks to, to 12 years, and she'd started at about a year and a half. So when she came to work, she, she showed me that she was really desperate to do that and, and really loved doing it. And, uh, this is uh, Faye with the beautiful eyes. I put some false eyelashes on her there with my assistant Andrea at the time, two pretty young girls. 
And other, other, yeah, how do I do that? Well, it's one dog in one box, and there she is. But this is not one dog, this is two dogs. And when Faye had puppies, I found that I could, uh, had a whole new range, <laughs> a whole new things I could do. But we're not, we're not done with, uh, with Faye yet. Faye was, was really liked to impress. See, see how good I am, how still I am, how much, there's still room for that uh, nut there. Just hook that around my tooth. Yeah. There you go, Bill. You've got it. And now remember this camera I'm using is the size of this podium, and the dog is, is really this close to the lens. So she's there. So I'm here, actually. I'm not here like this. So when, she's, when I say ready Faye, she looks right into the lens because she knows that's her job, not to look at me like, okay, Bill? It's like, <laughs> and it was really remarkable noticing that. My dog, Man Rea, also got into, he, they recognize what the camera is after a while. It's something, Bill talks differently when this thing is here, if I'm making a video, or when this object is up to his head or he's standing next to it. And I think, uh, you know, maybe it's kind of like being a hunter when you're working on your, your weapon or whatever. There's something that happens. <laughs> this is my favorite dog. I, I have to admit it. I love Batty. It's, it's uh, Faye's number one daughter. And she was just comical and sweet. And the best thing about her visually was those ears that always point towards the camera. Uh, a regular dog, the ears are like this, but hers are like that. So makes her look, her presence is there. She was also very sweet, kind of narcoleptic. And, uh, and she didn't try. She's like a star. Stars don't try. They just are. Faye always tried. See how good I am at being the evil stepmother? Uh, but, but Batty just, you know. I mean, there's no other dog that I've had. I've had 10 Weimaraners, and there's no others that could have done this. And, and, and another one. And another. So I've loved all of my dogs a lot, and all for different reasons, but uh, she was special to the camera, I think, and really led me to do children's books and uh, stories and, <clears throat> and all kinds of things. And there, there's her puppy, uh, Chip, who unfortunately died right after the shot, but no, I'm kidding, I'm kidding. I would never have, show, <laughs> I would never have shown you this if that happened. Uh, here, he, here he is playing the flute. That's, uh, so this is like, th this is six months later, th there he is. So pretty amazing. This dog uh, had a, oh, this is the first kind of tall dog thing I made. That's Faye. And it's the first time I dressed up a dog. I had an aversion to anthropomorphism. I didn't really do it. It was kind of a, you know, it, was, it seemed cheap. But when I made this picture, it was creepy enough and odd enough that I, I just went with it. Okay, I'm making something more like mythology. It isn't like a, a circus thing. And then I took, <laughs> and here's uh, um, the evil stepmother in Cinderella that I was talk, telling you about. And here's the other 
her other daughter, Crookie, who's very perky, and uh, I always had to figure out what to do with the hands because dogs have paws. I don't like those commercials where the dog's paws do stuff that they shouldn't do. So I just go ahead and give humans the hands or just refer to the hand. And uh, this is pretty remarkable because this dog is really driving this car. Uh, no, it's not true. But, but that would be remarkable, wouldn't it? <laughs> Let's pretend. This is a scene from a story I did called The Hardly Boys. It's, they're not... They're hardly, thank you, they're hardly boys, they're, they're dogs, they're girls and dogs. So I love the Hardy Boys growing up, I read that and I made a little short movie and did some pictures. I was going to make a book of it but didn't, but made a little film, short film. And this is the, the camera, the big Polaroid camera, which I told you was as big as this thing, I lied a little bit, but it's on the back of the Subaru truck and I'm uh, directing my dogs to have their picture taken. John Reuter, who I worked with for many years, is, uh, is running the camera. Uh, Dave Millen, McMillan, without a shirt on the right there, is his truck, and one of his dogs is Crookie. So that's uh, the scene, how, it's, how I did all these outdoor pictures. And this one is really, really remarkable because there are no humans in this boat, yet it is sailing. And it was photographed with that big camera. And I really don't know how I was able to do that. I must be really great. <laughs> and, you know, after I did the stories, I wanted to just get back to, I don't know, not stories. Um, uh, and so I did these more graphic things. This is like uh, called Parker Brothers. It reminded me of a game board, again, with a Polaroid camera. And this is... Uh, the dogs as is sort of landscape with the ocean. And other allusions to photography. This, this is a, sort of a magical picture I made with a Polaroid camera. And that dog who was so good at playing the flute. But here he is just as a dog, so to speak. And then this thing. This is uh, uh, an, not my dog. It was a dog that, uh, named Mazzy that actually lived in Houston here for a while. And it belonged to an assistant of mine, Marlo. And this dog loved the strobes uh, and craved it, you know, like a drug. When she would come over, take my picture. Because <laughs> they love the bright flash of light. Yes, two more. <laughs> and she was practically black. She was... She's, uh, she had these great yellow eyes, so I had fun working with her. And this is my sweet dog, Penny, who uh, was probably, the, like Batty, incredibly easy, but unlike Batty, didn't fall asleep uh, always. So, and there's, I, I would take pictures outside now and then. This is in, in the main coast on an island with uh, father and son. I love taking pictures outside because it was, it was like hunting, where you would uh, call them, they would come over, and then they'd go back being dogs again. But they would come back and help me out for a second. And this too. And yeah, that's wow, that's candy. That's the. She wasn't, she didn't like the camera so much. She would make a bad face. She didn't like the strobe lights. Unlike Mazzy, she would go, nope. But, uh, Oh, yeah, now 
we have to move on because we have to talk about some of this other work. Um, it doesn't, this is a postcard, right? Remind me, yes. I have a hard time talking about this work, and I think that's why I do it, because it's not the dog. And I don't have a collection of postcards that I love. Oh, nice postcard. Time to walk the postcards. Um, it's just, it's, uh, <laughs> they're just there, and it, you know, it, it's kind of what I'm doing. Here's a postcard of a, of a main picture, and you can see what I did. I take the edges and go off. This is uh, called Four Architects. And it's really the foreground shot is of a, people watching a golf match. And there's, of course, Ron Schomp and a few other classy buildings and odd buildings. Various uh, perspective moves. Um, I was going to say that uh, these don't reproduce well at all, but fortunately there's a book that you can get about these where they look better, they look best in museums or galleries, if any, or people's homes, uh, or my studio, where most of them are. <laughs> but, uh, but anyway, they do happen to look pretty good today on this screen. So you can kind of see the games I'm playing. Um, it's all always a game, whether it's with a dog or, or a, a pencil with me. I'm just always fooling around, um, being silly. And, uh, but also, I, you know, as a child, I went to art school because I loved to draw and paint, so I found a sneaky way to get back into painting, having to ignore all those manifestos from the 60s. So, so here I am doing that. And somehow it combines photography, too, with painting, doesn't it? This, you can see the two cards here that I merged to these silly foreground figures. You could almost imagine seeing them, these people someplace, can't you? Just uh, at some mall or whatever. <laughs> this I titled cleverly Amateur Cubism because it's one of the most painted scenes in Rockport, Massachusetts, and I made kind of a cubist uh, version of it. So Amateur Cubism. This is pretty far-fetched. It's got a, the central card is a palace or something in Vienna. And the card to the left is a uh, fascist war postcard. And the card to the right is a Wesleyan advertisement for, for Wesleyan University. So how those three go together is kind of a miracle, isn't it? I was, yeah, let's see, maybe I can use my little light beam here. Well, this card ends here where I got that shoulder to create that character, this bit of hair to create this character, and that, that's his head to create the desk scene there. So, and this is where that Vienna card is, and then this card here. That's a detail. A detail. <laughs> um, this is a, a composition I took from a picture of the Walker Arts Center storage room. And I sort of sketched out a, uh, a composition with that and then found all these art postcards, including 
Uh, my, my favorite moment would be probably the Pollock on the floor. Uh, let's see if I can, that card is, the Pollock card is like right in there. So that, and then you can see where I've extended some of these things. So Leger is in here, and then I made up other characters. Kandinsky is easy and fun to copy. Um, there's a, a detail. And a largest painting that I made a couple of years ago, uh, beginning with uh, Hopper. I call it Hopper Origami. Here's the Hopper here. And this is an origami tree here at the Natural History Museum. And then these characters, um, another Hopper here. Might be a detail of this. There it is. You can see the Hopper better there. Oh. The other side. Then I made a, a bunch of these, I made about five of these with found books, how to do it. So these, these are actually mounted on the, uh, on the uh, wooden panels here. Well, that's enough of those. Then I'm gonna, I guess I'm gonna close out with some uh, pictures of my latest dogs, Topper and Flo. This is Flo, I love Flo because she's a little like Faye uh, without some of Faye's problems. Um, but uh, she wants to do well, and she gives you more about what's going on. And Topper here gives you less about what's going on, but is, looks great and, uh, and loves to work. And there are two of them, Flo and Topper, with these Eames chairs. And uh, kind of a remarkable picture, thinking that this whole dog is fitting there, isn't it? Uh, I can't believe it either. I think that's probably why I like it. But, uh, and there's Flo again, showing her flowness with a, on a Nakashima piece that we did a project with. And more of the strange, I've been getting lots of, I'm, it's, I'm like a stand-up comic that takes suggestions from the audience. Uh, how about crazy furniture? Okay, we'll work on that. So that's what's happened to me lately. People bring me stuff for me to photograph, and I don't mind. How about this thing? Okay. <laughs> this goes back a little bit. These are like spirit photographs. And this is uh, Candy and her, her daughter Penny together in a kind of spirit world, and another kind of floating spirity thing. Another one. And this is Flo, who, I love her fragileness here, where she's really doing a dance, but she's also reacting to what might be happening when that roll comes down. She doesn't want to be where she predicts it might end up, but, but it's quite beautiful and, and different. And then I'm going to close the talk with uh, these euphoric flying dog pictures. One, two, three, four. There. <laughs> <laughs> That's it. Thank you. Thank you. Um, we have time for a Q&A. Does anyone have any questions for William Wegman? Do we have any questions in the crowd? Ah, here. Let me run up and get you. Does somebody want to do the calling on? Or go ahead. Why Uh Because they're gray, and they go good with anything. Why Weimaraners? 
a basic gray. They also liked doing it. I wouldn't have been doing it for like 45 years if they hated doing it. Um, I like their, that they're, they're kind of spooky and not really cute. They're kind of clean things. And I don't know, I think I'm done and then suddenly I'm not. So, yeah. Will Polaroid keep making the film? No, uh, there's no more film, and I stopped using it in 2007, so those last shots are with a digital camera. I don't use it anymore. There's something called the Impossible Project, and there is some film available, um, but it isn't very good, and uh, rather than $50 a shot, which was the last time I used it, it's $300 a shot, and I used to do 40 shots in a day. Uh, like. It was like drugs. The first one was free. Like, would you like to use this camera? And then I, I got attached to it, like, okay, $25 every time you go click. But I, I really loved using it. And I, at first it was in Boston. I'd go there to use it at Tech Square. Then it was in New York. Then it's been at Mass Art and Museum School and different places. And then it, it just, uh, you know, would happen. Yeah. Yeah, I have a rough idea, and I, I learned through the Polaroid to not prepare. All my early black and white photographs, I made little sketches, and then went to the studio and set it up. But with the Polaroid cameras, just have a vague idea, and then do one, and then move it. And usually, uh, you know, if it doesn't happen after five or six attempts, um, go somewhere else. And the video was the same way, too. I'd sort of run in front of it and try something and then look at it and then come back two or three more times at most or move on. Can you talk to us a little bit about how you train the dogs to be still? Yeah. They're not trained at all, as uh, my wife can attest. She always threatens to get a trainer. And, uh, and we did have a trainer come and over my dead body, practically. But uh, they're all on the, on the job. The dogs love to work. In the, they know what the studio is. Um, Flo was watching. Uh, I was doing a project for National Geographic, and Flo was watching um, Penny on set every day for months and months. And I put her right next to her. So she got the idea, strobes go off, and Bill's here. And, and, uh, and that's what we do. So they, they learn that that's their, their role. Yeah. So in the Madison Square Park Conservancy film, mm -hmm. there's the, the one dog driving a little green car. Yeah. Is there someone hiding next to him and driving? The same guy that, the same dog that drove that car uh, drove that boat into the water. And, and that dog's name is Jason. He's a, an assistant of mine who's very thin with long arms and can get in weird positions and hide. So that's the dog. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, so he's crouched down, and uh, we're monitoring where he's going. And um, yeah, he's also swimming in the water by that sailboat to keep, to keep that from going too far out to sea. <laughs> yeah. There's a lot of people work very hard behind the scenes, especially in those dressed up or story videos. And it's quite hilarious. It's probably almost more funny if you're there to see the production. It's really ridiculous. I don't know how I had the energy to do that. I'm much lazier now. I won't work that hard. It's like, that's good enough. <laughs> what 
where did you begin with the postcard paintings? What was the interest for that? Yeah, I made. Uh, I was making a parody of a nature book, and I was uh, going through all kinds of um, material to to do that. And I had some postcards of of uh, log cabins that I like, like I have in Maine, and um, connected them. So that was the first time. But it really goes back to my altered photographs. Where, you, where I showed a few of, where I'll paint into or around my own photographs. Uh, and I photo, I've also altered greeting cards and things like that, too. So, yep. You do so many different types of work. Is your, is your favorite, do you have a favorite, and would it be your dogs, or are you? Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm that completely. It's uh, the dogs, it's great. As long as I have them, I'll photograph them. Um, but my background is painting, and that's what I, what I love doing. And it's what I can do without Jason and Andrea and two other people. So it's really nice to have that, to be able to just do that. And I can't even turn on my own camera. I need somebody to, to do that now. <laughs> so. What are you working on now? I don't know. Uh, I, um, it's a problem. I just had a, way too many shows recently, and um, I'm doing more postcard paintings, but I'm going to go into the photo studio. Somebody asked me to do some virtual reality stuff, and I hate that stuff, but I'll do it, because someone asked me to. Isn't it awful? I don't know. I'll do it. And uh, maybe some uh, stop action thing, and maybe some more video would be fun to do. Well, fortunately, I just... Uh, I just gave up on a children's book I was working on for three years, and it was just going nowhere, and my publisher released me. I don't have to give the $15,000 back. We're just done. So uh, it was a book that was going to be great. Easy, easy book. My dog is not a dog. My dog is a frog. My dog is a cat. Look, my dog can fly, or whatever. All these things. But I, three great pages, and... Nowhere else. It was just such a dud. I have mounds of material that I tried to make that work. But so right now, that's about it for, for kids. Do you use Photoshop or digitally manipulate the photos at all? I don't use uh, Photoshop or digital, and that's probably why I do less dressed up stuff because you would just assume that, oh, he just stuck it in there. But I like the fact that the dogs are cooperating, especially with the Polaroid. You can really see the little bits of the people hiding behind or hiding. It's part of the charm, I think, of, of making that. It's, it's sort of more fair for the dog to make him so complicit, I think. So uh, I don't use, you know, when the dogs are flying there, they're just flying, and then when they're, you know, they're doing stuff. But uh, they're jumping off of something? I'm throwing them in the air. Yeah. Yeah. I'm to like a very soft bunch of pillows, like about 15 dog beds. So, uh, and they let you know when they, like Candy, who was the best flyer, uh, my most, the one that could stand on her hands like that, she just kept coming back, do it again, do it again. And then after like 21 times, she said, I'm done now. She didn't, she went somewhere else. So that's, I always let the dogs let me know when it's uh, time to do something else. Yeah. Have you ever had a muse, and what qualities in other people inspire you? Well, I, I really, um, I, I, uh, I've been married three times, 
But my present wife is is really beautiful, but hates to be photographed, so that won't be happening. But she organizes uh, everything for me, so I don't have to do anything really. And she's she, she I would call her that. Yeah. And I also have two kids, and I could see that when I was making those children's books that I was making them way too long because when you have kids, you really want to your kid to go to sleep. And so I, I, I shortened all of my children's books that were reprinted. So, yeah. Do the dog like to look at their photographs? Um, they don't have anything to do with that. You know, they'll hear my voice sometimes in the video and they might listen once, but they realize that's just some other thing. You know, what does a dog think when you're on the telephone? Do, you, do they think you're on dialysis or something? It's, it's kind of like uh, he's hooked up again and it's sort of... Or uh, I had, you know, Man Ray used to watch me drive. He would look at my foot, and then look at look at my hand, and then look at me, hand, foot, and then look at the road ahead. So. Are we done? One more? Yeah. The whole time. With me? What? With your car video. Oh. Uh, I know, I wish we could play that. Should we try it? Should we get somebody smart up here to try to run it? No, I don't know. I, it's really good. Frank, can you turn on the project? Thank you. I don't know how to do it, though. Oh, that's okay. Y'all are going to see the, the behind the scenes here, I think. Well, she's working. I could do some more questions. There were a couple more. Yeah. Well, I wasn't I wasn't really funny until I made video, I think, and then, I, then it's hard to, to uh, deny that you're funny. But I, I got such um, courage out of that, that I just let it happen. I remember uh, giving a talk at Pratt and someone in the audience said, I hate humor in art. And uh, and I have to agree, I didn't really like it either. I liked my own, but I'm like, I'll let you find something? Yeah, we'll, we'll get it going. Oh, what I had a request for this one. And then oh we'll, yeah, that's we'll a good one. one. Yeah. This one's called Installed Guitar, and I'll try to get back to, uh, and right after that will be the card trick one. So this, we can get that We can do this. Three people and a computer. Oh, slash. This is what I'm like around my equipment. I, you know, I, I can't do anything. Oh, that's okay, that's okay. I wanted to see the... No, 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 we can do this. Any other questions? <laughs> okay. Is it this one? Yeah. I use a Hasselblad with a, a leaf back that has X, X number of megapixels. Yeah.
ordinary deck of cards. Nothing unusual about them. Now what I'd like you to do is pick a card, any card, memorize it. Don't tell me what it is. I can't see that card. Okay. I'm going to shuffle the deck. Hey John, how you doing? Glad you can make it. Don't tell, don't tell how we do this. Twenty-four cards. One, two, three, four, five. Okay, twenty-four. All right. Two diamonds, right? Okay. That was worth the wait. That was funnier. Does anyone? Did we want to see any other videos? Did you want to show no, any other good. videos? The beach one. Oh, dog spelling. I already did that one. You well, got, the very uh, end was cut off. P-A-R-K was spelled correctly. And that was good. Well, wait a minute. And you spelled uh, O-U-T right. But when it came to beach, you spelt it B-E-E-C-H, which is like the, uh, well, there's a gum called beach nut gum. But the correct spelling is, we meant beach like the sand, so it's, it should have been like the ocean, B-B-A-C-H. Mm -hmm. See, that's the difference. Well, okay, I forgive you. But remember it next time. Okay, stay there. Enough? Were there any more questions? Oh, yes, there's a gentleman in the back. All right, um, back here. Um, now that you've changed and started shooting digitally, um, because there's always sort of like a element of you interacting with the dogs or your subjects, mm -hmm. has that changed now that you're having to look back through a camera? And, or are you remote shooting? How has the experience changed now that it's shifted to the digital world? Well, I don't, uh, I, I don't do dressed up things so much or just because of the Photoshop uh, situation we talked about. Um, but I like shooting digital more than anything I've ever shot with, frankly. The Polaroid camera is really annoying to work with. And I would, I would get a lot of mileage out of when it broke, thinking what to do, but it's, it's so fast, it's easy. I don't have to have the dogs up any longer than a split second if they don't want to do something, you know, I'll find out. And I can go through things quickly, and it looks beautiful, and it's archival. So I think it's really great. It's just, there's something about the believability of it that's a little odd, that isn't there with, with the older types, where you trust it. So it's in the beholder, not so much in the process that I'm having the, the issues. Tell us a little bit about your experience or behind-the-scenes shooting the minivan commercials that had the Richard Dreyfuss voiceover. Uh, that was a Honda commercial I did in 2001, I believe, with my uh, incredible cast of uh, 
of the four dogs that were did all those Sesame Street pieces. And you know, in a way, it, I didn't have to do anything too different. Although, uh, I guess the, the biggest difference to anything else I've ever done was that it paid an enormous amount of money. <laughs> and, uh, and I just thought, God, whenever I need an enormous amount of money, I'll just do an ad. <laughs> and uh, I never got another one. That was, <laughs> that was a one only. So it was kind of uh, a little dangerous. But you know, they were very respectful. The reason they came to me was because of what I do, and so they wanted me to do what I do. And certainly, um, what I don't do is have dogs' mouths moving like, hi, I'm name, name is Man Ray. I don't do that, or I don't do the paw thing, or there's things that they respected that, uh, that we found it was okay to work with. They were, they were great to work with. It was really hard to work, to do. What's that? Um, there were four dogs that I had at the time. I, I know Batty was one. There was print versions as well as the commercial versions. So, yeah. It's just one of those things that I did that, uh, that probably I got in a certain trouble with in the art world. I don't know. Maybe, maybe not. But, you know, here I am back again. How many dogs have you photographed since Man Ray? And then the other question, if I could do a two-parter, the ones that stay with you right now, do they sleep in your bed with you at night? Uh, they absolutely do. I have Flo and Topper. Last year I had four dogs. Um, Penny and Candy, or Bobbin and Candy, died at 15 and a half and 14 and a half. That's pretty good. Um, I've had 10 dogs, including Man Ray. And the two that I have now are not, are the ones not related to Fay Ray. Man Ray and Fay Ray were not related to each other. That's a good way to end, don't you think? Yeah. yeah. Thank you so much. William Wegman, ladies and gentlemen. Um, we are going to have, I'm going to give Bill just a moment to get out to the lobby. We're going to have a little book signing. I don't know if you all noticed, but his brand new book of his paintings, which he mentioned, William Wegman Paintings, is for sale. He will be signing it in the lobby. And I just wanted to quickly mention the chairs for today's event, whom I forgot to thank before, Frederica Hunter and Emily Todd, Texas Gallery. Texas Gallery is so important in Houston and has been showing so many major artists since the 1970s. We're lucky to have them here. And I also wanted to thank Rice University for this awesome room. And everybody here is fantastic to work with. And the Moody Center for the Arts is being built right across the street. It's been fun watching that go up. And as a Rice alum, I'm very excited to see it coming into Houston. It's going to be a good art venue. So thank you all for coming out today. I hope you had a wonderful time and enjoy the rest of your afternoon.